How could advisors break out of the race to an average tech stack and avoid creating a bland client experience? Is it possible for technology to take the place of empathy? And can a virtual technology conference become a catalyst to improve diversity in financial services? All these questions and more will be answered on this episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. Welcome, friends, to the wonderful world of wealth tech. And this is episode 63 of the Wealth Management Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, and I'm in a consulting firm called Ezra Group. We're experts in everything related to wealth tech. We deliver growth oriented solutions to banks, broker dealers, asset managers, as well as technology providers through our premium advice and research. On this podcast, I speak with some of the smartest people in the industry who are on the leading edge of both technology and innovation. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this episode on your social media networks. I would really appreciate it. Before I kick off this episode, a little background. Uh, I thought I had this idea for this episode as part of the Advice Tech Live conference, uh, which I'm on the advisory board for trying to help uh, the conference be successful. I think it's a really great cause. And my idea was to have all the moderators who have a lot of experience in the industry, a lot of great knowledge to share, have all of us together on a podcast. And then I didn't really think about it, but that means six people, including myself, on one podcast, which could get a little tricky with logistics and trying to avoid crosstalk and people talking over each other and making sure everyone gets a chance to be heard in in just like a 40-minute podcast episode. But think we did a good job. I think we we worked it out. And I think this is a home run episode. Lots of great content. And I was taking notes as I always do. I don't know if you notice if you see me on YouTube, constantly taking notes and trying to keep the track of the conversation and keep it going. And uh, as I said, in the in the podcast, at one point, I'm like, I'm taking highlighting things you're saying. And I I can't stop you're highlighting so many things. I saying so many good things I want to highlight. So you're really going to get a lot out of this episode. And again, all six people, well, including myself, all five people, all guests I had, uh, all presented a lot of great information. So let's get things kicked off here and hope you enjoy. And welcome to this episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast, this special episode, which is with the moderator panel from the Advice Tech Live conference. I'm going to go quickly through everyone, introduce them. So you can see, uh, if, if you're listening, uh, listening on the podcast, well, you'll hear everyone's voices as we go through. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see everyone. So the, the people we have on the, this podcast are first, Toussaint Bailey, CEO and principal, Enso Wealth in Petaluma, California. Want to say hello, Toussaint? Hello, hello. Excellent. Uh, next up, Renee Norse, founder and CEO, Urban Wealth Management, Los Angeles, California. Hello, everyone, and thanks for having me. Next is Margarita Chang, CEO, Blue Ocean Global Wealth in Washington, D.C. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, Megan Carpenter, CEO and co-founder, FICOM Partners, New York and L.A. Hello. Happy to be here. 
And last but not least, Adam Holt, CEO of AcidMap in the big, great city of Philadelphia. Great to see everybody. Thanks, Craig. Hello. So we're here to talk about the Vice Tech Live uh, conference, which is in two weeks, August 27th. And this is the, the, the moderators. Uh, and we, we came up with this idea for this panel, this pre-event panel, based on uh, the idea Adam had to do a post-event panel, where we talk about what we thought of how the event went. So we thought, why not talk a little bit beforehand? So Adam, can you give us a quick overview of the event uh, and how it got started? Yeah, thanks so much for having us. This is an, this is an awesome event. And, and of course, like most ideas that take over our lives, it was, a, it was a vision of creating a conference in this crazy environment today that was really sponsored by peers. I really felt like the advice tech community, technology firms that serve advisors had an opportunity to put together a virtual event because I think one of the biggest concerns we get from financial advisors is they, they have to make technology decisions and there are so many choices. They don't know where to start. They've got legacy tech. They've got new tech out there. They're hearing about some newfangled stuff that's going to be great, but they don't know how to start. And so the vision, Craig, was to figure out a way to put most of the major platforms out there fully accessible at the same time on the same day so an advisor with total merger could go and be present and learn about the top 20 firms that are out there and put their ideas to rest about what, what each of them is doing. But I think what became of this is that when we all got together and said, hey, let's all do something together with no major agenda other than to really help the community, we said, what else can we do? And so it's how we evolved into searching for a common goal that we could all get behind. And what we found is that the CFP boards, Center for Financial Planning, had a diversity and inclusion initiative that had the opportunity that we could be part of. And it was an unbelievable way for us to say, you know what, let's get involved and let's give 50% of all of the ticket sales to this event and let's crowdsource uh, this project and get people involved and not necessarily make it about the money, make it about the purpose, make it about impact. And at the end of the day, I think the project has come together as an accessibility project, accessible to, to tech, accessibility to people, supporting women and people of color coming into the business. And I think we're really excited and proud to share this with everybody. Thanks, Adam. The, and that, that's something that we, I felt was very different about this event, that it's a big donation to uh, a great cause. And most events are, aren't run that way. They're run for the profit of the firm running it, or if it's a vendor running it to bring their clients in. But I thought that was a great, uh, a great reason to, to help support it, besides the fact that it's important information and, uh, to share with people. So I want to talk about this panel, uh, this moderator, group of moderators, and, and how you came to support this event. Uh, and, and as Tucson brought up, what's your individual why? So why you uh, felt it's special, why you felt it's important. So I want to start with Renee. Can you tell me what's your individual why for, for joining this event? Well, this certainly has been a challenging year. And it's making all of us aware that there has to be a new normal. Now, when we started in the year 2000, we were moving into technology field. But now, and some people are on technology, some are not, and using it as part of their business, their practice, their family life, their personal life. Now, this is mandatory. People need to keep this and have this as part of their life, their business, their practice. And I thought this was a fabulous idea to be able to point out the importance and the significance of using technology now and 
the other side of this is that there is, in addition to the pandemic, we all know about the issues around racism that has been with us for not only decades, but centuries. And so now this is an opportune time for us to look at how can we use technology in our practices and our business to support our broader community. So I think, Adam, what your idea of hosting this and having this at this time was so, so important. So looking forward to what the feedback is that we're going to get from a number of the registrants. Yeah, I'm also very interested in what the, what the feedback is. And, and thanks for bringing that up, Renee. It's uh, how do we use technology to support the broader community? That's something that sort of gets overlooked. We, we feel, I've been in technology for all, all of my life. And people, so I've always seen people just push technology out without really thinking about what the point is except to have more technology. But having a goal for it as part of supporting the broader community is something more tech firms should think about. Moving on to uh, Margarita. So Margarita, can you tell us about your individual why and why you, why you signed up for this event and what makes it special to you? Sure. Well, I love what Adam said about access. Access is about helping advisors and the advisory community access these vendors and partners, I should say, and having the partners access the financial advice community. I think that technology will not solely replace um, connections and conversations. I think there's something missing in the work we do, and that is empathy. And right now with this, the double pandemics that we are experiencing as a nation, it's really important that we take a look at the resources we have to augment the work we're doing. In other words, technology is not a nice to have, it is a must have in diversity and inclusion. Representation and equity are not a nice to have. They are business imperatives. I look at when I entered the industry and I know that more people will be entering the industry different. And I know more people will probably be of color. And so therefore it is so important to support um, those who are wanting to enter our profession, whether that's women, people of color, people returning from military service. So congratulations, Adam, for your vision. And I'm so excited to be part of this. Thanks, Marguerite. Uh, Toussaint, can you please share some of your whys, why you got started, why you joined this, uh, this event, and what's, uh, why is it important to you? My primary why was to learn how to use a webcam. I was uh, struggling here in the beginning of this. <laughs> uh, now, I, 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 in, in seriousness, when Adam shared with me sort of the, the dual larger whys, both of them could not have resonated more. So, so first, that, that larger and kind of more innovative why of taking the proceeds from a conference like this and making real meaningful change and investment in initiatives that we talk a lot about, we support a lot in, in words, but the action doesn't always match uh, what the words are um, when it comes to support for diversity and inclusion, particularly in financial services. So the first clear and concrete sort of contribution to that effort in the first conversation was something that that really pulled me in. And then for me, as someone who operates a wealth management firm, I think in, in the independent space, uh, when it comes to technology, I feel us all sort of racing to average. Um, it's a relatively young space. 
and you look to industry leaders uh, at times as what you should be doing or as the standard. And that leaves people with this sort of average and in, in, in bland feeling technology stack, this bland feeling client experience. So the ability to access, look at a broad array of technologies and a broad number of buckets and, and sort of customize over the course of a day and really ask the tough questions and, and build one's own experience or measure one's own experience really appeals to me because as someone who's intent on building something special, uh, it, it's the opportunity to sort of be intentional about that. So yeah, both of those kind of whys really were meaningful to me. I want to take a break from this episode to talk about one of our sponsors. The Invest in Others Charitable Foundation recognizes individual advisors and advisory firms that are making a difference by donating their time and money to causes they care about. By sharing their stories and awarding funding to these organizations, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation builds critical visibility, encourages others to get involved, channels additional resources to those in need, and highlights the important work being championed by the financial services community. Over the past 12 years, thanks to the ongoing support of both corporate sponsors and individual donors, uh, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation has helped to shine a light on the financial industry's good works, bringing greater recognition to a wider range of professionals from wirehouses and independent broker-dealers to RAs, while partnering with charities across a spectrum of causes. I'm uh, part of the Invest in Others Foundation uh, group of volunteers, and I've been uh, fortunate enough to be on some of their judging committees to help allocate funds to some of these charities, and it is tough. The year, there are some amazing charities, and trying to decide between three or four uh, incredible causes is difficult. It would be easier if we had more money. So if you can donate and get your company to match your donation, that would help uh, everyone at the foundation be able to distribute more charitable funds to uh, charities all around the world to help uh, these good deeds continue to get done. So please go to investinothers.org, uh, investinothers.org today and make a donation. We would all appreciate it. Thanks. I like that. It's awesome. Thanks. Uh, Meg, you're up. So can you talk about your individual whys, why you join this event? What makes it special to you? Yeah, absolutely. And I am going to borrow that Toussaint race to average. That's really good. I am. I have long felt that there is an opportunity within the wealth management community to provide a better experience through our events. I feel as though we've have so many events. There's so much content. A lot of the content has become very predictable and really promotional. And I think that events are an amazing way to connect, right? I think that that networking and community component is really the most powerful um, reason that advisors attend the number of events that they do over the course of the year, as well as us as industry service providers. But I've just really long felt that there's a better way. And so when Adam, when you called me and you started talking really immediately about this opportunity to help advisors understand what they're buying when they're buying technology, which is they're not really just buying the features of, of, of the tech. They're buying into a business that has a product roadmap, that has a team that's going to support advisors. And Adam, I heard from you like this really sincere passion around wanting to sort of, you know, 
pull back the curtain and allow advisors to see into these tech businesses in ways that they haven't necessarily been able to. And from a communication perspective, a lot of times, you know, the most successful way to approach communicating with people to develop relationships is to be really vulnerable. And I think we've lost the sense of vulnerability in our space and it's become so much about feature and benefit. And, and a lot of times that vulnerability can really be found when there's sort of like a tension. And so having the tension of having competitors and peers on a panel talking about their vision and drawing comparison and, and contrast to um, those visions, the product roadmaps, their beliefs for where the market is headed, I was just really, really drawn to. So I was like, yeah, sign me up. And then when I heard about the really sincere commitment to the community, to giving back and to not being afraid to talk about something that is so important to us, which is how our industry is dealing with systemic racism, how we are really promoting diversity and inclusion in ways that go beyond just lip service to initiatives. But by doing a 50-50 profit share, I mean, that's unheard of, right? I haven't, maybe there are other events that have done this. I haven't heard of them. And so that was just to me the like, absolutely, this is a no brainer for those, really those two reasons. It's sort of the format of the event as well as the outcome that extends far beyond the event. That's awesome. Um, and we already heard from Adam, so we've, we've gone around Robin. One, I want to just touch on a couple of things that, that came up. Um, so, Meg, you, you were talking about, uh, well, you're, you're talking about what Adam mentioned about how pulling back the curtain and when you're, you're signing up with a vendor, it's, it's a, you're signing up for a roadmap. What we often talk about from uh, my, my company is that it's a marriage. You're really getting into, in with someone who you're going to be working with for a long time. The, min the minimum technology usage is most is I think three years, five years is more of an average, and so you're or even ten years. So you're you're committing to working with a team and with the technology for the next five or ten years. And people don't often think of that. They think of it. Well, I like what they have now. They don't think where they're going. So do you see that um, interacting with, with some of your clients as well? How they see the roadmap of a vendor? Yes. Yeah, and so we, we represent both sides, right? So we work with registered investment advisory firms and, and financial advisors, and then we also work with the industry service providers. So we sit in this, we sort of sit in that cross-section. So I have, a, I have an interesting perspective there, but I do think there is um, a sense of, um, I don't know if uncertainty is the right word, but I don't know that there's an acknowledgement that, Craig, like you said, it's usually a three to five-year life cycle, and if you're signing up for something today, you're probably signing up for the next three to five years, and that really is impactful on your business. We also know, and what we hear from advisory firms is that transitioning between systems and tools, transitioning between custodians, tech vendors, et cetera, it's really costly. Um, there is a significant cost to the business to make those changes. And so what often happens is you have people just staying with the incumbent because it's the path of least resistance, even though their business needs aren't being met. So yes, like we absolutely see that on the advisory side. And then I think what we're seeing on the tech side is this really strong desire to want to demonstrate to advisors how you as a tech business are really there to promote the advisor's business and what that means, not just today, but in the future. And so what my hope is for Advice Tech Live is to really be able to bring those two desires, wants, and needs together um, to have an honest conversation around, you know, it's not just about the features and benefits to the advisor. It's not just about what you need today, but let's really think about business. Let's think about business strategy, business utility, how this affects all areas of your business. And let's let you make the decision, right? Um, I think that it was Kitsis that wrote in one of his articles that it's not 
it's not the tech vendors that have the best tech that win. It's oftentimes the tech vendors who spend the most on marketing. And to me, that's just that all that does is it's a disservice to advisors, right? So if we can help advisors make better decisions to inform the future success of their business, I think that that will be a huge win. And then I wanted to go over to Tucson, and I'm, I love, I like that term too, Tucson, racing to average. I'm stealing that. Uh, but can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by that? You said a, a bland feeling tech stack, a bland feeling user experience. Yes, but I I, I like something you said, and I I wanted to like really underscore first um, both yours and Megan's point about the marriage of tech, and I think we. I, for, for me, a mistake early on was looking at tech as a point in time decision and looking at the stack as it sat before me or looking at the product as it sat before me. And I think all of the advisors on the call can can call to mind a time when there's been a pivot in, in a, a tech product that you've engaged with or by a tech vendor that you've engaged with that's been less than comfortable or less than ideal for the direction that we were taking our businesses. So I just want to underscore that whole idea of seeing this as a marriage. I think that's powerful. But, but uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, that race to average, it's it, it, like, a, it, it, I think it has a lot to do with the youth of the industry and the independent space, the youth of the independent space and not having well-developed sort of well-thought-out standards for what a tech experience should look and feel like. And so there's not the nuance of, of what a tech experience should look and feel like to each particular firm. So you start to look at who's been successful in one sense and apply that across what you should be doing uh, for your own firm if you're a growing firm. So you, you end up with tech that looks very much like uh, the tech for a $50 billion firm uh, at a $1 billion firm, and that's not necessarily the match. And you also end up with a tech stack that doesn't reflect what a firm's core value proposition is. It's a tech stack that may reflect what another firm's core value proposition is, or it's a tech stack that may reflect an attempt to be best in breed everywhere. And that's not, it, it, Best is a relative term. And, and what I found and what, what we've done early on and had to kind of grow out of is chasing that whole idea of being, quote, unquote, best in breed everywhere and finding out what's best for us. We're, I'm excited about the panel that I'm leading because it's a CRM panel and I'm a relationship first person at a relationship first firm. And, and that really plays out and is affected to a large extent by CRM. So the decisions that we're making in CRM and the product suite that surrounds our CRM are drastically different from what the next firm may be making if they're considering themselves investment consultants or, or the next firm may be making if they're considering themselves planning first rather than relationship first. So I just, I, I'm very passionate about kind of customizing what best in breed means for each particular firm. I can tell you're passionate. Tucson. That comes through. Uh, Renee, you're nodding your head a lot about what Tucson said. <laughs> well, I definitely agree, you know, about the marriage piece, but successful marriages also mean that there's a lot of sharing of ideas and thoughts. And if there's a disagreement on it, it doesn't mean that you don't want to be with that person anymore. You just kind of figure out how to navigate around it. And I think one of the successful um, uh, strategies of these fintech firms is to be able to reach out to their client base, their customer base to say, what kind of changes or updates 
do you think we need to add to our platforms? And if there's like an advisory council for them, that's great. You know, once you get onto a platform, it's very difficult to transition over to another tech platform. We just recently changed over from a longtime CRM to another one. And it took months and it took a long time for the rest of my team to understand how do we navigate around this? We used to do it this way. We had these kind of categories. Now it's completely different. So you really want to make sure that what your themes are in your business, in your practice is consistent and that the FinTech firm is reaching out to you to make sure that are we doing what you need us to do? Are we on top of not just right now, but what the future is going to look like here. Because I think for this decade, this year, this was the start, not just of a year, but of a decade, this is going to be a big shift in how we are going to be connecting with our communities. Millennials, they're not going to be multi-million dollar, you know, huge wealth. We're going to be accepting more people of color who don't have multi-million dollar wealth. There's got to be a shift and a change in how our tech platforms are going to be working. And as long as these uh, firms are reaching out and getting feedback from their clients, customers, I think that they will be heads above everybody else. I agree. Uh, and, and we keep talking about transitions and uh, my companies that we I run a consulting firm, so we help a lot of uh, a lot of companies, advisory firms do transitions, and everyone has said it. It's not easy. It's very tough. It takes a long time. It's always it always takes longer than expected and costs more than expected. So uh, you're right about that, and and that's another thing about making a choice. Some people, some firms make a choice off the cuff, or let's just pick something and go, without thinking about as what you said, how long you're going to be using it. Do you want, how involved are you going to be with it and how hard will it be to, to change? I wanted to go off to something, Rita, that you said about technology can't replace conversations or empathy. Uh, and I, I hear that a lot on, on our side, talking about how not every advisor has the same empathy and it's, it's tough to, to communicate that. And now with everyone being digital and being remote, it's even harder. How do you see technology helping uh, advisors be more empathetic or encouraging conversations? Sure. We, there is a racial wealth gap, but there is also an empathy gap. And in my mind, they are related. So I love what Toussaint was saying. You have to make sure the technology you have reflects how, not just the values, but how you want to be um, portrayed in the marketplace. So for example, if you've made a commitment to help Henry's, you high earners, not rich yet, you may not need, and your clients for that matter, may not value the most sophisticated rebalancing software. But will what, what may be helpful is robust financial planning or alerts. And that's when you can use AI. But I think that's there, uh, there are some conversations on Twitter. AI is going to replace advisors. I don't think that AI can replace conversations and connections because at the end of the day, I think that one of the biggest mistakes we make is just focusing on the portfolio. We do need AUM. But at the end of the day, um, if we're not looking at the people, so their community, their philosophy, 
and helping take the time to understand that we are losing an opportunity. And it does take more time, but I'm telling you, nothing can replace empathy. I, I would not be where I am without my empathy. Indeed. And a lot of people do business with someone else because they like them and they have a good feeling about it. They don't really even know why they just feel good about it. So you can't replace that with AI. And I, I've heard a lot about how AI is going to replace advisors as well. And one thing I tell people is it's not replacing advisors, but it's pushing them up the value chain. It's forcing them to do things they weren't doing before where I had an advisor and all he really did was build, put, build models of ETFs. And he didn't really do a lot more than that. A little bit of little financial planning, but not too much. But if now that you can get that from a robo for 30 basis points, it's going to force advisors to do more and more. Are you seeing the same thing? I am seeing the same thing. I mean, there's nothing wrong. I, I, I just told this to a prospect the other day and he messaged me. He's like, Rita, I felt like I was like really brash with you. I'm like, no, don't worry about it. We feel these questions all the time, but I understand what you're um, talking about. Um, portfolio management is very important, but that might not be the only thing that your client is interested in. They might be interested in um, saving for college, saving for retirement, caring for extended family. And so this is why empathy is really important, particularly when you're serving people of more diverse backgrounds. If someone is not able to save, please don't make assumptions or judgment that they're reckless with their money. There could be things beyond their control. It's not an excuse, but it's an explanation. You know, for example, in some cultures, um, it is actually considered selfish to save for yourself first before helping someone with their education. So as advisors, we have a responsibility to um, understand our client's unique personal and financial circumstances. And technology can help us you know, be more efficient and effective in the delivery of advice. That's a great point. Yeah, and understanding that takes time. It's not something you can get from a screen. You really need to understand people and get to know them to understand at that level. I wanted to go back to, uh, I, I keep coming back to what you said, Toussaint, uh, really interesting. Uh, don't, don't try to be best of breed everywhere. What is it about, how, how has that changed the way you run your practice? So technology is, the future has been pulled toward us, right? So, so what we, what, what we used to think of millennial engagement or Gen Z engagement with technology is now how everyone has been forced to engage with technology. So technology has become a more significant touch point than it ever was. And I don't think that trend's going anywhere anytime soon. So that technology then has to reflect the kind of empathy that Rita's talking about or the kind of inclusion that Renee is talking about or Meg is talking about. So, so for us, that means uh, you know, we, we initially had this mindset. We, we're we're a, a young business. 2017, we initially had this mindset that we have to build up everything. And then once we build up everything, we, we, we're going to get functional, then we'll get fancy. Let's, let's get functional at everything. So let's get the best of breed at everything. And then we'll think about the unique stuff that will really reflect our value proposition and really deliver it to our clients. We have started to go in reverse with that thinking and, and say, you know, we'll check all the boxes. Our, our technology will be solid everywhere, but we're not going to try to be the best everywhere before our technology starts to reflect us. So there's more significant investments in technology that, that shows us touching clients. There's more significant investments in, in technology that, that helps with relationship. There's more time spent 
on, on client-facing technology, client portals, what's sitting there. There's more conversations about that. Um, there's more adoption conversations around those things. Um, and, and we're okay sort of phasing in incremental improvements in other areas of technology, whether that's portfolio analytics technology, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll phase that up as it goes, whether that's other pieces of, of our technology stack, advisor pieces, facing pieces of our technology stack. We have our, our own internal roadmap as our technology sort of journey uh, looks is very relationship focused because we have this cultural waterfall where loving and trusting relationships are at the very top. And so we've, we have this aha that our technology spending decisions, our technology time allocations, and our, our kind of roadmap should reflect a priority for loving and trusting relationships. That's something you don't hear a lot of business people talk about, right? I don't, I don't know many other businesses that talk about loving and trusting in their business proposition. They may talk about it in their personal life, but talking about and it's, it's, and it's safer to talk about trust. Yeah. Yes, trust is different. We jumped yeah. out there with, with loving and trusting mm-hmm. and, and like it, it does hit your ears in a certain way when you're when you're in the context of financial services in the financial industry. But it, it, we we wanted to be courageous with what we believe. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we want trusting relationships. I think everybody wants those. But we're we're we wanted to have the courage to say love and so that's internal. That's that is courageous. I'm highlighting things as everyone talks. I highlight stuff I want to go back to. And I can't. Oh, everything you say is highlighted, Tucson. I'm having trouble picking out the stuff I want to talk to you about. Um, I have to hang out with you more often. <laughs> yeah, we will. Definitely. The, your internal roadmap. Now, the, something we work, now we work with also both sides. Uh, we work with fintech vendors uh, as well as advisory firms, similar to the way Meg does, although Meg's firm is marketing and branding communication and we're technology consulting. But having your own internal roadmap is something a lot of firms don't think about and where they're going and thinking to the future more on the technology side and how the technology lines up with where your company is going. How have you done that? And what's something like a tip you can give to other, other advisory firms about building an internal roadmap? The first thing I give them is all the what not to do's because, because we stumbled there. <laughs> we, we, we stumbled on the decision to build it that way. Um, I, I think we, we, we're, we're not immune to, to what I think a lot of advisors who are starting their own businesses have, which is shiny object syndrome. So we, we, we started out, everything sounds good uh, when, when you're kind of just dealing with inbound technology providers and they all have the latest and best and, and, and greatest. So we had tech partners coming to our, our partners meetings and our leadership group meetings uh, with the, the, the best and newest at every meeting. And so we, our, our roadmap is essentially a what, not right now or never list. Um, so so it, it, it reflects a set of choices about what we're doing, but it also captures all the stuff that we're not doing right now. And, and, and if I could give sort of any guidance for uh, what should be on a roadmap, I, I, I would say having clarity about what you're not is, is focusing, is freeing, and there's a, there's a strategic strength to, to having a not right now or in, in maybe never list. Um, so that, that, I think that's the most important component of our roadmap and it stops people from, it, it's really easy to table stuff when you, when you have three or four priorities for a year and everything else goes on this kind of inventory that might, you, you might get to it. And some of that is, is kind of timelined and sequenced, but some of it's not. Some of it's just like, that sounds like a great idea. Let's put it in the bucket. That sounds like a great idea. Let's put it in the bucket. So, so for us, that's been powerful. 
We call that the parking lot with clients. Put it in the parking lot. We'll get to it. Uh, Renee, yeah. uh, back to you. So you mentioned technology is now mandatory and using technology to, to support the broader community. Can you share a couple tips that you've, with other advisory firms about things you've learned building your tech stack and, and changing your CRMs and other things you're, you've learned along the way? Um, I think that for many of the, um, the programs out there right now that, and I'm going to be moderating the financial planning um, panel. And so one of the things that I, I'm really going to be interested in hearing is do they recognize that this is a new stage that we're in? What kinds of changes or updates would any of them plan to make to their platforms? Now, one of the key things that I had mentioned before is, and this is true with firms, and I think it's also true uh, also with a number of technology platforms, is that even in their ads, they're focusing on people who have a million dollars, two million, three million, or more in net worth. When I show that sometimes to my younger clients, they're like, well, maybe I, I'm not the best person to be on this platform because do I have to have that amount of money? No, you don't. I'm sorry that that's the way that it looks. You can have $2. We're financial planners. And I think that that has got to be a key part of the, establishing a relationship. It is important you know, as, as Rita mentioned, you know, we have to have AUM. AUM is a good foundation for our businesses and for our practices. But if you're coming from a financial planning perspective, that's a long-range relationship. You're just not going to exit because your, you know, how you handled their, that person's investments wasn't as great as what the general market is. So I think that there needs to be a much stronger push. That's been very helpful with us. Uh, my average client has been with me 15 to 20 years because we're focusing on the financial planning first and really doing a deeper dive into that. So the CRMs where we can keep great notes about what are their favorites, what are the things they like to do on the financial planning platform to be able to provide them with some insight and track what they're doing and to be able to show them, let's say with asset map, here's a one pager that shows what you have. Here's some updates and some things that you need to consider. We use Riskalyze where we are tracking and following our clients like that. So this has got to be more relationship-based in order to keep a strong client relationship long-term and not just be focusing on one area. So I'd really be interested to see what the financial planning uh, moder uh, panels say about how they're planning to make some shifts and some changes in their platforms in order to address some of these key issues. Thanks for bringing that up, Renee. I had my, on my list of things to ask people, ask everyone about their panels. You, you beat me to it. You saved me the time of, of asking that question. Uh, you look, <laughs> like you're looking over my shoulder. And you also helped me. I wanted to get Adam back in the conversation and you, you gave me a good segue. So you mentioned Asset Map. So Adam, can you talk about how Asset Map helps? I know, I know you're going to be able to talk about this how AssetMap helps advisors build a more relationship-based business model where it's based more around the, the relationship with the clients versus just their investments. Well, the, yeah, it's interesting. And I love what everybody said. Gosh, I, I've written down so much and I think I'm going to steal everybody's stuff. Um, but what you realize, I think, is that there's a theme. For, for me, I'm a recovering financial planner myself, right? I'm still a CFP, um, but been in the business for 20 years. And, and I think... 
we're in a strange situation. I say strange at Asimap because we're, we're the only tech platform we know of that we're not about the tech. We're about the relationship. We're about just the revelation of what's going on in your life and the intentionality behind whether it makes any sense. Because there's something about when you visually show the facts and you can't hide from them, right? The financial closet on the bed, this clearly doesn't fit. This shouldn't be here. We sh this is awesome. Let's do more of this. So I, I think uh, for us, we really care about uh, elevating that empathetic conversation, right? We actually do put the, the trusted and loved parties at the top of every page because they're the most relevant, right? So um, I think for, for us and where we want to take the industry, especially as we tend to get put in the financial planning industry, is to recognize that we as a community need to elevate the conversation to two important words, and I hope these really ring true for everybody, purpose and intent. Purpose and intent. Why are we doing what we're doing? Does it make sense? Does it align with where we want to go, regardless of wealth, regardless of complexity? Does it communicate to my family the values that are important to me? Am I aligning the types of instruments I'm putting in place to support them and that and that vision? And I, I, and I know that that feels touching-feely, right? And a lot of financial advisors don't always relate to that, but their consumers do. They just don't know how to ask for that experience. So I really would kind of say to you, just as advisors are trying to figure out what tech to piece into their, their repertoire of uh, tools, um, to really think the exact same way, which is to think with purpose and intent, what am I really gonna use? What's really gonna make a difference in my customer experience or my backend processes for a true ROI? And how and am I going to use it? Because I heard a phrase a while ago that I stole from somebody and said that adoption is the new innovation, right? If I actually use the tech, that's innovative because so much tech sits on the on the side with dust on it, just like clients' IRAs or 401ks left at old firms sitting with dust on it. Their life insurance policy, no one's looked at it for 40 years. So the, the point is, I think we have to push ourselves to find ways to actually use the tech we're putting money into. That's an excellent point, Adam. And, and we see that in, in the firms. We, we work with a lot of enterprises, even the largest broker dealers in the country with 5,000 advisors will only see 20% uptake in optional in technology that they don't force them to use. So it's like, well, you have to use this portfolio management system to trade. Well, okay, but everything that's optional, it's very low adoption, although that may have changed as, as Renee mentioned, everyone's being forced to uh, use tech. It's becoming mandatory. Uh, we're almost running, we're running out of time. I wanted to get back to uh, Meg. We have your next up. Can you talk about what you're looking for? I'm going to put you on the spot uh, from the marketing panel. You're running the, you're running the marketing panel, a bunch of great marketing firms, marketing automation firms. Uh, real quick, two minutes on what you expect to hear from that panel. Sure. And I'm going to actually answer that in the context of a theme that I'm really excited to hear from all of us in this last 40 minutes or so, which is this concept of like alignment around your truth. Right. So I think for advisors that are listening um, to this podcast or watching on YouTube, follow the work that Renee is doing, follow the work that Rita is doing, follow the work that Toussaint is doing, because they are very clear. They are clear in why they do what they do and who they do it for. 
and everything in their business, including their technology, aligns around that truth. That's the power of modern marketing, and that's like what I get clearly so excited about. So for my panel, what I really want to hear is a couple of things. Like one, where do these businesses see the future of marketing and specifically how that's going to impact advisor businesses? But how are they going to, how are their products, how are their tools going to help advisors really find that alignment? It's not just about the features and benefits. It's really about how these marketing platforms are helping advisors to be the best that they can be. And, and, how, and I believe that it's going to be around how they can help to align around their why and their who. Um, and so I want to hear from my panel around like how they're going to help do that, what their roadmap looks like, but really like what do they believe? You know, what did they think? How did they approach building their business? Because that whatever they believe is going to directly impact the type of product or tech tool that they're offering to advisors. That's a great point, Meg. It's uh, on my podcast. I have a, I, I do a lot of interviews and one of the things I, I do like to ask is, is what they believe and, and why they got into the business and, and why they started their firm. And you hear a lot of interesting stuff that you don't normally hear uh, from vendors where they're always talking about features and benefits, as we mentioned earlier. So that's, I think I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear your panel as I am interested to hear everyone's panel. Uh, uh, who's on the podcast here. So just a really quick recap. Uh, Meg's doing the marketing panel. Uh, Toussaint is doing the CRM panel. Renee is doing is going to moderate the financial planning panel. Uh, Marguerite is uh, moderating the practice multipliers panel. And I am moderating the portfolio management panel. Whew, that's a lot. There's a lot going on. This is going to be a fantastic event. Uh, and I'll do the whole pitch after we're, after we're done and put the, when I put the promos in for this podcast. And we're out of time. I want to thank everyone on the panel, Toussaint, Renee, Marguerite, Megan, Adam, for being here. Thanks so much. Uh, this is going to be a great event and uh, appreciate your time. And look forward to seeing you all at the Advice Tech Live uh, Summit event conference uh, on August 27th. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Thank you. for all your panels, genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I learned a lot. This is awesome. I got great words. Great words. Hey, it's Craig again. That was some episode. I was exhausted just uh, taking notes the whole time. People were just laying down some great knowledge and, uh, and sharing information and best practices, really, and, and all their feelings, their individual whys. Uh, a lot of good stuff. This is probably one of my favorite episodes I've ever done out of 62, is this 62? 63 episodes. Uh, this is probably my favorite, and I didn't think it was going to work, but uh, having five guests, we managed to make it work. Really happy about it. Uh, a couple things I, I took away, really like what Toussaint was saying about um, words should match actions in support of diversity. Uh, advisors should avoid, should avoid racing to average. That was great. I got to figure out a way to make a whole blog post about the race to average. Uh, brilliant. Uh, Meg talking about advisors understanding what they're buying and uh, realizing they're buying into the vendor's roadmap. Renee talking about how to use technology to support the broader community and uh, more communication with vendors uh, and also asking how, uh, uh, how it's difficult to trans... Uh, and Renee talking about how there should be more communication with vendors and also how there's an... Uh, and Renee talking about how to use technology to support the broader community as well as how 
You should be communicating more with your vendors to ask them what changes need to be done to the platform. Uh, Rita talking about the empathy gap, uh, how AI can't replace conversations and connections that advisors can build. And finally, uh, Adam and uh, talking about uh, his company, Asset Map, and about the, the conference as a whole. Uh, one thing he forgot to mention, uh, not only the fact that 50% of the ticket sales will go to the center, um, uh, the financial planning board, CFP board, and their funding for diversity and inclusion initiatives, but also the website got 175,000 hits. This is really taking off. So I'd encourage everyone listening to please go to the website, which is Advice Tech Live, uh, advicetech.live. So that's the, that's the actual the URL, advicetech.live, and register now. It's only 70 bucks, and again, half the money goes to the CFP board. Uh, it's a good cause. So please sign up, uh, uh, and also uh, let us know what you think of this podcast. Post it uh, everywhere you can, share it on social media, and I'd love to hear your feedback. And look forward to seeing everyone again next time.